Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Welcome back, folks. It's another week, another podcast of the 1% Better Variety. I'm just back myself from a bit of a vacation and I think I need to tap into some of the previous episodes to feel a little bit 1% better uh, because it's always hard to get back into the swing of reality after a bit of a break. Since uh, last week's episode with Lorna Quinn went out, great positive feedback, lots of great reaction to Lorna's story, came across really well from from every uh, account that I've heard. I am definitely holding you to the promise of coming back after you bag the Oscar or maybe a Tony Award or some other accolade to do a a follow-up interview. Okay, on to this week's episode. So it's another guest that is nationally known, another guest that is from the Midlands, this time from Athlone in Westmead, and it is with Adrian Barry. Adrian recently took on a new role within Communicore, which is the holding company for Today FM, News Talk, 98 FM, and other, other stations. And he is now the group head of sports programming. We talk a little bit about his title at the start of the show. Suffice to say that uh, somehow Khaleesi or Daenerys Targaryen gets mentioned, but you'll have to listen in to understand why. Adrian has had a really interesting career so far, and I'm sure there's a long way to go yet. He's uh, an award-winning sports presenter. He won the PPI Sports Broadcaster of the Year Award in 2011. He was with 98FM, as I said, at the time. And then he moved to uh, to News Talk uh, about four or so years ago and worked with the Off The Ball team. And we go into a little bit of detail around that whole setup and how that has developed and, and worked out very well for him. We look back to where it all began. And what was really refreshing about this conversation was that Adrian was quite clear to say he didn't have a grand plan he wasn't working towards a group head of sports programming for Communicore he wasn't 100% sure really if even 50% sure what he wanted to do growing up he got into journalism got into sports presenting and a lot of things came his way through hard work but also luck and chance and coincidence and we talk about that which was really interesting it's very apparent that he's very honest straight talking that doesn't pretend everything had a purpose from from day one which is which is great to hear it is a different perspective to some but that worked for adrian and that doesn't mean it won't work for for you either during the show we talk about his views for what type of programming he wants to put together in the coming months and years we talked for about an hour and a half which uh which was great and i know at the start adrian was probably reluctant to do it but we got into a good flow and i hope you listening can hear that as you get through the episode i'll stop talking now but look adrian thanks so much for giving up the time i hope everybody enjoys the show with adrian barry Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast. This episode I am talking with an award-winning sports presenter who was uh, the PPI Radio Sports Broadcaster of the Year in 2011 and currently is, and I know Adrian you love me for saying all of this, but Group Head of Sports Programming for Communicore, which encompasses news talk today fm and lots of other radio stations so you can regularly hear this guy on off the ball ireland's number one sports show and you previously worked with 98 fm amongst others the last piece of the title as we were joking about having a bigger title than khaleesi uh, is uh you're, you're from west mead originally which is an important part of your title 
Oh, the key part, I would say, yeah. That's the mother of dragons part there, right there. <laughs> thanks for coming on to the, to the show. Delighted to, to, to make the connection. And uh, thanks to Miles Tyler for, for helping put that together. Uh, I owe Miles a few beverages at this stage for making a few episodes happen. So that was great. So out of all those roles presenting and head of communico which one would kind of stick out as as your favorite so far or ones that you uh you enjoyed the most maybe um thanks for having me on rob first of all uh absolute pleasure to be on um i sort of always kind of um reluctant to do these probably for two reasons that uh first of all people don't ask and uh second of all it's hard to not sound like a total arsehole when you're um kind of talking about yourself and uh imparting your I don't know, whatever you call it, life experiences or whatever up to there's, this point. So, there's going to be um, lots of one percent better tips coming from this, Adrian. Just, just go with it. You know, don't don't give yourself a hard time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Jeez, um, which which one? What, you're asking which one that I prefer the best, or or yeah, like, out yeah, of those, like that's, over that's, your, a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Your journey so far is there one that uh, you know without kind of. <laughs> negatively saying any of them were not fun was there one that you got the most yeah, yeah, yeah. buzz out of they've all been so different to be honest um, like uh, sort of brief synopsis kind of have gone from kind of reading bulletins on music radio stations to um, yeah producing off the ball as you said and and uh, to the sports editor more recently after that and then my Khaleesi title uh, more recently which which is a, I, I absolutely love telling people about um, yeah. so like it's kind of difficult to to say that I like enjoyed sort of because they've all been so different it's almost it's like very difficult to sort of compare them almost um, hmm. like I've been surprised almost in my like I, I took over a sports editor of News Talk um, about three years ago and like went in there with like fairly little experience I would say of like running a department of 12 people and all the like the headaches and the um, challenges and the um, prospects I suppose that come with that uh, like raw as hell and um, but but going for it but obviously wanted to go for it and, and kind of make a success of it and all that sort of stuff um, but sort of surprised myself I suppose by the areas of it that I really enjoyed like the commercial aspect of media was not something I would have had a huge uh, background in necessarily but yeah I really enjoy that but like I suppose when you boil it all down it's given my background it's difficult to beat a piece that you like an interview or yeah a series or broadcast that you put a lot of effort into and that comes off better than you better than you expected or as well as you expected like it's uh, that's the buzz right like that's the what 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 we do is kind of like it's pretty intangible thing like we're not doing anything that's sort of particularly tangible like we're not fixing people or we're not sort of you know building chests of drawers or anything like that um so a lot of it is pretty intangible but that that buzz of kind of a piece that you put a lot of work into whether that's like from a research point of view or mm. uh, like, uh, you know, legal, the legal aspect of things or whatever. Yeah, the, the buzz of that is probably hard to beat. Okay. Cool. So like definitely great variety and I suppose that's stretched you in lots of ways over the, the, the career so far. I, I guess it would be safe to say when you were growing up in Athlone, you uh, you didn't have group head of sports programming as your um, number one on, on CEOs and stuff like that. What was was uh, was uh, was the whole area of journalism though the kind of passion growing up? 
Um, like I'd be absolute fibber if I said it was. Uh, it would suggest that there was some sort of a grand plan here, right? Like <laughs> if I said to you, yeah, you know, I was reading uh, uh, Con Hoolan uh, yeah. in the Irish press when I was seven years old. You knew your was, purpose exactly. from birth. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, that'd be a total fib. And like, the, I suppose the reality is like, I sure I still don't know what what the purpose is. Like, you know, or, mm. like is, you know, is this, uh, like who know? Anyway, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people, and I've listened to a good bit of your podcast and a lot of people do have that mm. like assuredness from very early on like they're you yeah. know I was kicking ball when I was five and I wanted to be a footballer I wanted to be involved in football or um, mm. you know like I said I was reading the newspapers or I was aspiring to be this journalist when I was this age and like mm. I don't know if it was ever really that for me and I mean in school I, <laughs> in school we had a we had a career um, guidance guy which would have been like I did my leave in 95 like having so a career right. guidance yes yeah, I know I had actually yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah a really vintage good. a vintage year you know but mm. uh, like mm, having a career guidance uh, person at all was almost an achievement but like his his outlook his outlook was you know you go in and you say listen I'm not really into sort of uh, the sciences or maths or that sort of thing I'm probably leaning more over to this um Artsy side, yeah. I suppose. Uh, you know, you should you should look into engineering. This is a, good, this is a really good engineering course in uh, in uh, in Galway or whatever. Like this was right. the sort of advice, and uh, that would have been like a, I, I would have had lots of conversations with mates around that time, and it wouldn't have mattered who went into him with whatever sort of interest or skills skill set or background or ambition. Like engineering was the, I think it was plastic engineering at the time. Oh yeah, Palmer. Was the, Palmer, uh, I think. Palmer, was, that was well, it. Because that it was, was it. It yeah. was actually the first year or two that actually it was in Athlone as well. There was a Palmer. It was, yeah. And yeah, it was everybody yeah. was jumping on the Palmer, Palmer. Uh, oh, listen, there, like or whatever. You, you were at nothing if you weren't doing Palmer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so God. so like there was you know but so I like I certainly had some idea that um, I was interested in that kind of area. And like certainly, in, from a CEO point of view, was looking to do journalism, but had no one near the smarts to uh, to get into it. Uh, like there weren't very many courses in Ireland at that time, and I certainly wasn't finishing anywhere close to the top of the academic tree. Right. Um, so I had to kind of look elsewhere. Um, went to the UK to do it. So I suppose it probably was some inkling of like journalism or communications or whatever in the way that people do arts you know that sort of like yeah. I'm not having a clue what I'm going to do so I'll do arts and see what happens for the next few years hmm, that's interesting like I actually went to communications in DCU in after 95 right um, and I dropped out after after six months of kind of going a bit too crazy in Dublin but I think it was more introverted <laughs> nature and everybody on the course mm. not the journal mm. there was journalism in with us because I think Jackie Cal and others were on that course at the same time all right and uh, yeah. but we were in more the comm side of radio photography and it, it's funny the whole full circle coming back to kind of doing this as a passion i just didn't have the uh the confidence i think in those days but but like at least you had see it seemed like you, you had a passion for the english language and you saw it as a potential mm. full step so so you went to the uk was that a a big upheaval to to, to jump over the pond to to go there Oh, like in hindsight, it was absolute craziness, like total madness in hindsight. Um, but sure, I was barely 18 and I hadn't a clue. And mm. like the more you're talking about going to Dublin and the craziness of that and the like greenhorned aspect of it. Yeah. Like I hadn't a clue. Like I hadn't a bull's notion what I wanted to do with life. I didn't know what was. I, I went to uh, Hull which mm. around that time had been voted the worst city in the UK about five years running. 
So, good. like, in terms of the research anyway, so of, uh, yeah, like, if if only Google existed in 1995, I would have been uh, would have made better life choices. God. But um, yeah, like, so I kind of went over there as a greenhorn and like hadn't a clue what I wanted to do. Certainly took. We were doing a lot of. Um, like, and again, I was, as I said, I was just turned 18. Mm. A lot of, like, starting university age in the UK can be, like, 19, 20, where you're sort of, you know, probably better positioned to decide what you want to do with your life. And, and this was probably so, before like, we, an, we even had the, sorry, when we had, because when I did it, again, yeah. the whole transition year wasn't a thing in, in Longford at the time. I don't know if it was a thing in Westmead, probably because you're that bit closer to Dublin, it might have been more advanced than, than the, the Longford yeah. area. But. Well, look, at, I, I'd always I'd always say that alone would have been more advanced to Westmead generally, Rob, you know, but yeah. no, it was. It actually was. I did, um, All right, okay. I did transition year in school. Oh. It would have been, we, I think we were the like maybe the second year of junior search and maybe transition year was sort of had it been introduced around that time as well but mm. yeah like actually on reflection we there was a load of media aspects of that like we produced a magazine that I would have worked on and done yeah. uh, bits and pieces of it like on, on the journalism side and on the commercial side and yeah maybe it was that hindsight that actually sort of was pushing me in that direction mm. Interesting. I remember when I talked with Sinead Huzzy there a few weeks ago, you know, talking yeah. about little kind of initial breaks into the the world of, of media. She said she won a DJ for the day competition on Shannon side or, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Was there anything yeah. you didn't? So maybe that the hook might have been, as you mentioned, during the transition or nothing else kind of got you a bit of a taste for for uh, for radio around then? Well, the, the specific thing was, so, like, I went to Hull and I, I lasted there three months, no more than yourself in Dublin. I was like, um, this <laughs> really is not you, for so me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is not for me. And kind of three months in around the uh, Christmas 95, would have been thinking, listen, mm. I'm ditching out of this. And I had a mate um, who was studying in just outside Cardiff, same course, contacted them, said, listen, this isn't working out for me. I have friends in uh, college there and mm. I have family living in Wales now like wasn't that was it South... was it no Pontypridd no. okay right yeah I, University I, of Glamorgan yeah. there yeah mm. okay um, and like you know I have family in Wales <laughs> my uncle lived on the exact opposite end of the country but there was no point of being too detailed but um, with the, the dean of the college or whatever and so listen he, he just said yeah look that's fine um, oh let's do it and Brilliant. so I came back in the in the January to, to Wales and um, that was kind of yeah so so study, so did the you know you do your radio modules you do your um, TV modules and all that stuff and the radio was really definitely the one that I enjoyed the most and the one that I was like getting good grades at which as I've indicated earlier was not something that would have been um, like bringing the report cards home to the parents wouldn't have been sort of stacked with uh, A's and B's or whatever mm. so yeah it was probably like that like enthusiasm that I natural enthusiasm maybe that I had for it um, maybe I don't know whatever talent was there um, was coming out and it was great like you get great encouragement from doing well and doing well in the topic and that was probably the like the in initial catalyst before I um, eventually kind of tried to fling myself into the industry. Right. And one of the things that said for me was the kind of, everybody was quite extroverted doing it and it was almost over the top that I couldn't feel myself in the in the environment of the class at the time. Was it a similar sort of thing? Would you have been extroverted or were you kind of more introverted in those days? 
No, I'd, I'd be fairly naturally introverted, I'd say, without having <laughs> ever given that particular thought. Um, and yeah, there probably were people on the course that were particularly in, um, in Hull that would have been much more sort of free spirits and knew what they were about and like were very secure in their you know position in life and their place in life. And like you look back at all that stuff in hindsight and assume that sure they hadn't as much of a clue as I had, um, but they were doing a better job in, uh, in, in getting by and masking it and that stuff. Mm. Um, but no, I, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I generally, I just like, yeah, I don't know if I'd, I wouldn't, I, introverted probably is too extreme, like, but that, I, I'd certainly be more on that end of the scale than, yeah. than the other end for sure. Yeah, your your, uh, your career guidance teacher wasn't uh, doing like Myers Briggs personality tre- tests with you at the time. No, so he certainly that, was not. That didn't no, come no. for a bit a bit later. Um, and actually, maybe he did, and uh, and the result was Palmer. <laughs> that was the uh, the key all along. Palmer was the answer. Maybe that is your purpose in life to to go back to doing the Palmer. Um, so so yeah, no, that's interesting. So was the did you feel you probably matured quicker, learned a lot because you moved away and you were probably further away from home than, than most. Did that kind of, do you think, help grow up faster? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, it isn't to say that I did, but it uh, it isn't to say that I grew up any faster at all or matured at all, like, for years, I'd say. Absolutely not. Yeah. But, like, that ex- bank of experience, definitely. Like, the my parents drove me over to Hull that started that, first semester and dropped me off and I'd say like I've spoken to them about it since and my mother is horrified now even by the whole idea of it like this mm. uh like when I was 18 just gone 18 and I looked about 12 and like I needed ID for like until I was into my mid-20s so like none of that stuff helps yeah. um and also like you know look I was just naive green like yeah. Irish kid as well uh I think like the Irishness probably was coming into popularity probably around then which um uh which probably should have been on my in my favor mm. but um yeah no it, it, it would have helped rob i'd say yeah like it definitely helped and like there was much more security about wales like i had yeah. as i said made of mine um shane going from uh who i would have known since i was four who was in college there and that was great security blanket straight away and he had a network of mates already and so you hook in with them and yeah. like it was a much more like in reflection like better it was a much better approach than the sort of land into the middle of this like absolute craziness it's just kind of bringing back a lot of memories for me because i went to dublin and all my mates went to galway and i remember going to dublin with my aunt brought me up or i don't know she took a picture of i was staying in a one bedroom bed sit with a a shower down the corridor where you had to put 10p in to actually have a shower every day it was across the big tree, across from the big tree tavern over Violet's chip shop. And oh, it, yeah. was, it was rank, and uh, I don't know, like the, the environment was not plush for kind of settling in at all. And and again, I moved to Galway in the following year. Again, a network of friends, so there's huge parallels there. That's mad. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. And like, it, of course, it, like, of course, like I look back on that whole experience. I think it definitely helped. Like, of course, it did. Like it definitely helps mature you and it definitely helped when mm. like maybe the Wales thing would have been a huge culture shock for me if I if that was the first thing I'd done yeah um whereas like as you say like I'm sure it was the same for you like when you had that kind of experience that at the time like it wasn't it's here it wasn't traumatic and I don't want to I definitely don't want to overstate it in that regard but mm. like certainly in terms of a sort of a greenhorn just turned 18 landing in the middle of a culture I knew nothing about people I knew nothing about yeah 
And uh, Hull were like probably in the fourth division at that time. They had no even a bad <laughs> football team, probably then. Rugby league, rugby league, I think was the big, to- big, uh, big thing in town at that point. Yeah. Okay. So far, we haven't even talked really about sport that much. So was sport kind of massive in your mm. your life as well, and how they kind of started to intermingle? Oh yeah, like you know the, uh, the being from Westmead, Rob. You know the um, sort of constant. Kind of <laughs> well, that was the year they won the, the miners won the All Ireland, wasn't it? Ninety five. Was it yeah. 95? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was on the hill watching that year. I was, you was, yeah, I was on the hill on the watching that no, game. You weren't, you weren't and um, points over. I wasn't. Long. I had a couple of mates playing, actually. I had a couple of mates playing, but no, I was on the hill watching that day. Okay. And went, like, my recollection is pretty hazy, but my, like, I like to think that I, I sort of hopped on the boat straight away after that game. But, I mean, I'm assuming there was probably, although it would have been around that time. It, it would have been around that time. Yeah. The third Sunday of September would have been close enough to been heading over. So, um, yeah, maybe my, maybe that's actually accurate. But, yeah, no, I would have been to sport for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, would have been into sport. Would have been playing a lot of gal. Like, Gaelic football would have been the sport I played. Dabbled a tiny bit in hurling, which I really regret now not doing more of. But, mm. um, like, in, in West Westmeath, it's not really a thing like there's a club out there all from Atlone Southern Gales and that's kind of about it the hurling tends to exist over the other side right. um, and yeah like watch watch sport but like like again probably no more than like any other young fella sort of absolute sports fanatic kicking ball like doing the Emma Dumpty Street football until sort of 10 or 11 o'clock at night during the summers until the sun went down and so like that would have been following yeah. you know watching I remember we used to um, some neighbours across the road had the BBC and uh, we used to go across and watch match of the day, uh, bit apple tart or watch match of the day. That was kind of the some of the highlights of the weekend. Um, but yeah, no, I love look love sport. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you kind of start thinking you could connect your passion for sport into into the journalism? Was it was there a first job out of college that you you got? Yeah, like the first sort of connection came. It was probably because a job, like a job came up, and like it was funny, and you. I don't know this yourself, but like at that time doing that course, it wasn't like like you did that. I think you did that course, and not like you do it now. In a way that there wasn't this sort of um, breadth of industry that like lots of jobs that you could walk into. Like there's multimedia, mm. like um, these multimedia giants that exist now. Like that really wasn't the thing at the time. Like there yeah. was lads in trench coats going to matches and stuff. Like that was <laughs> like that was the dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that yeah. was. Uh, so again like in terms of a plan or if it was a plan it was a mad plan yeah so like the first connection would have been because a job came up but I'd been doing like when I finished in Wales I came back and I'd been working for it was called Midlands Radio 3 at the time Midlands 103 now in Tullamore and like that was kind of a case of going over and saying listen lads I will work for free like what have you got can you give me something I'm happy enough to come over and back for as long as it takes to yeah. um, get a get a gig. Like, right. uh, I certainly to get experience. And I was working on a sort of mid-morning magazine show at that stage, so that was kind of, you know, yourself making the tea, doing a bit of research, you know, ringing a few guests here and there. Yeah. That's like like menial stuff, like the you know, um, trying to get your foot in the door. And then I'd done that for about three months when they said, "All right, listen, this job has come up." and uh, we'd we'd like you to take it and um, I said geez that's excellent lads thanks a million I'm off to Australia uh, and <laughs> and that's what that's what I did I went uh, hightailed it off to Australia for a year at that stage mm. um, and uh, kind of like pissed about around for a while mm. I would say to be honest like there was like again like 
there wasn't a grand plan of like yeah. I definitely thought that's what I want to get into and that's what I'd like to get into and that's probably what I'm going to try and do now but like it, well, you know when somebody offered me a job and I like literally that day said no listen I'm, I had made up my mind already that I hadn't told them but I was going to Australia right. uh, like that was it uh, and as I said kind of pissed about is probably the best way to explain it and went to Australia came back was lucky enough to get a job in Midlands when I came back after that um, and your bridges, so um, at that stage. no I didn't no, I okay. didn't I didn't uh, I didn't sort of sort of flip the uh, flip the fingers on the way out the door right um, and yeah did that uh, did that for a while and that was sport yeah so like that was sort of uh, an opportunity came up in sport and did that and sure that was a class training ground Brilliant. at that time there like you're presenting producing answering the phones like I often remember on like four or five hour Saturday afternoon shows where you'd have people out around the grounds you'd be presenting the show and talking away about this result or that result and what it meant mm. uh, and like stuff I'd never want to hear again but at the same time, like dialing numbers for the next reporter that you wanted to get to and like letting somebody in who was knocking at the door downstairs come in wow. who wanted to pick up a prize that they'd won on some show during the week. Like, yeah, yeah. So it was class, really, like, and the stuff that you don't, because you don't know where you're going in your career, mm. you don't probably appreciate it enough at the time. You don't maybe, and that probably applies, I'd say, like right the way through. Like I, I definitely see people and all the time in like, the company and the industry that I work in at the minute and I'm saying to them like look at the people that are around you like like be a sponge to those people and ask them questions and if you're stuck on something ask them put your hand up and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how stupid it is but like make the most of the experience and expertise that exists around you um, yeah and I probably didn't appreciate it enough at the time but like again like you look back and say like, you couldn't have had like three years in college doing making a few documentaries but doing a few bits and pieces mm. was grand and all but mm. like like I think it might have been there for it was, uh, maybe a year a year and a half sure you couldn't have bought that real world experiences just you know accelerates everything so much faster but at the time were, were you even were you conscious of what you just said there the piece of advice you might give to others were you sponging off these people deliberately or was it was it just that you were kind of learning rapidly without kind of realizing it yeah, no, I'd, I'd absolutely say the latter. Like, I, I wouldn't be, um, like, I'm great for giving the advice now, right? And I can see it. I can yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. see it all around me. But, like, at the time, like, no, I hadn't, wouldn't have had a clue. Wouldn't have been thinking, like, wouldn't have been, geez, definitely not driven enough to think, look at all this, like, bank of experience that exists around me. I should, mm. I should, uh, like, not certainly not consciously thinking, let's make the most of this and let's give yeah, this yeah. an absolute rattle with a view to, yeah. to, like, doing something else or whatever down the track like maybe like i'm sure there was aspects of it that played out subconsciously but it was never a I'd certainly never sat down and said listen this is what you need to do mm. i'm waiting for the moment where it started because like this is a few years into well how long you were there for a year or so was it a couple of years yeah 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 maybe a year sort of 18 months maybe a little bit more and yeah then i um <laughs> I there's kind of a, a, a path here that you can see that continues to crop up. Palmer, At that point, Palmer, I said, Palmer came uh, back into the picture this stage. I'm Palmer. Palmer's calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, career guidance teacher, whose name is absolutely at the top of my head, Itched. and I have it, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he uh, no. So at that stage, I went. I I ditched out again. I went to New Zealand for a year. Oh. Um, like probably like I don't know you. 
I'm definitely kind of conscious of there's going to be a career path, like a career path and a trajectory and a plan, mm. and a plan like at some point. But definitely not of the view that, like, definitely thinking that it's too early for that. Like, one if I, if and when I get into that, that'll be it. Right, and right. It'll be hard to get out of it. Sure, um, sure. And so, kind of wanted to go and experience some um, something else and other cultures and see what okay. things are about. So, yeah. kind of ditched that. I went to New Zealand, spent a year there. Back, uh, went to London for a while. I uh, worked in the Commission for Racial Equality there, which was a real eye opener in this class. Like, it wasn't, um, I wasn't sort of knee deep in any great sort of racial um, uh, sort of uh, battles or or uh, contests or anything like that, but it was much more meaningful than that. But actually, having the experiences that was class. But um, yeah, came back from that and through contact realized that I. Part-time job was coming up in FM 104 in Dublin right. in sport, and um, so I took a day trip over to uh, to take an interview there. And um, Hazel Nolan, the sports editor, met her, and like um, couldn't be couldn't be more grateful for what Hazel has done for my career either. But um, she was, I think, sort of sensing that actually this could be a good fit. And obviously, like I've flown back, especially from Lo- uh, from London for a part-time job, so it did right. demonstrate that actually. That I was, I had something that was, um, I had some drive, I suppose, or whatever you might look at it in, in reflection. Um, mm. And then did a, so we kind of sped along the process and went ahead and did a second interview with a couple of other more higher ups that day. And sort of halfway through that interview, thinking, shit, this is this is not happening. Like the this guy doesn't, he doesn't buy me. He doesn't buy what I'm about. He's got somebody else in mind, um, and was as close as I'd ever come to sort of standing up in the middle middle of an interview. And going, I'm I'm sorry for wasting your time. I'm uh, thanks really for the opportunity, and I'm gone. Uh, and yeah. like genuinely, like a hair's breadth from saying that. Um, Just even talk to me a little bit about what an interview entailed like that. Was it purely like a? Did you have to do any kind of um, mock scenario presenting, or was it looking at your portfolio? And, and why do you think it was going so bad? Was it just just reading body language? <laughs> I tell you why it was going so bad. He was looking at his phone. He was is looking at his emails. He at one point turned the seat around, and started looking out the window. It was uh, like it was, if you'd done it to be a body language expert, it was it was chronic. Like it was absolutely chronic. And I'd say if I had any more confidence about me, I would have just said it. Like I should have yeah, said. Yeah. I should have totally said. Listen, did you say it subsequently to him? Did you ever? Like, uh, say not it? to him, no. But I, have, right. I did. I did, I've said I did say it to other people in the in the company, but no, I didn't, uh, didn't no. say it to him. No, uh, well, no. Do you think um, was he doing it to throw you off, or was there a, a tactic, or just had you already uh, got the job, or something? Yeah, it almost be. Yeah, no, I don't know. Like Hazel was definitely had. I'd say at that point had bought into the idea, um, mm. and like I'd say he would have certainly listened to her, and um, whether she had decided pre that, I, I don't know. But like she was, like almost apologetic afterwards because right. like I. Which was good for me because it meant look I hadn't I didn't dream this thing up like this you know it actually happened or whatever but um uh but yeah like I, I again like it was a huge moment when I look back in my career that I sat that out but like mm. it wasn't because I sat there and said listen I'm gonna buzz this out and screw him and it wasn't yeah. that like I was probably too shy to go here listen like you're clearly not buying me and mm. let's just leave it at that like um but like in terms of the process was no like it was definitely yeah there was the usual kind of cv stuff and nice. um there was the usual cv stuff and they, i like i do remember one question that they asked was uh 
uh, Keith Wood was playing for Harlequins at the time and obviously I was living in London and would have been following a bit of that mm. and um, it, so they were saying oh you know right Keith Wood you're in on the desk at 7 o'clock in the morning Keith Wood uh, has had a crash overnight and we don't know you know what sort of condition he's in oh. and uh, you know if he's you know he's on the verge of the Six Nations this sort of stuff right yeah, like yeah. Um, what what do you do? How do you cover the story? So like it was good for me because I, I as I said I was in London and I knew where he'd been living and I would have known the local scene or whatever. Like I was like oh you, I would have been you know I'd ring Richmond Hospital to see you know could could they give me any update and this sort of stuff and yeah. you know you ring the I like I I probably had a decent answer on that and yeah, like yeah, yeah. and I know now myself sitting on the other side of the table in those conversations like you're not looking out for like I'm not looking thankfully they, they weren't looking at my CV for like leaving certain results or whatever yeah, yeah like yeah. and you're not looking out for that stuff like you're not looking out and like geez in terms of advice for 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 anybody trying to get through in this industry and or I would think in any other industry like it isn't as somebody who sits on the other side of that table frequently now yeah. it's not about what's written on your it isn't a, it's like and again mm-hmm. like I I think our education system here is fucked like it's wrong. Like it's what, what we do to kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not right. Like it wasn't right then. It's not right now. And it needs to be changed. And you look, like even the UK model is slightly better, but I mean, mm. probably no, slightly different point, but um, like, I think that, uh, yeah, so, and that means that I'm definitely not looking for those things. And I think frequently people aren't, you're looking for, like, I'm looking for people who, uh, have been are, are they going to games are they doing match reports are they like how much of their own initiative are they using um, and like that's the sort of stuff that wins the day rather than yeah. anything like you get a bit of a sense of somebody from a CV but like but, that yeah. opportunity to sit down with somebody and look into their eyes and see what's going on is, I think, is a big one I think what comes out there and it does come up in a lot of the uh, other episodes is that it's the IQ versus EQ kind of battle and that when not battle but kind of debate mm. and that when you are sitting across from somebody how they communicate with you how they can tell a story how they're passionate their body language all those good things that come out you know that that stuff that you yeah. can't really answer on a on a kind of a, a leave insert exam um so no i i hear you uh definitely don't we could have another episode about that whole area uh completely but um <laughs> yeah but obviously yeah. you 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 uh you sealed the deal there and uh would you say at that point yeah. then you kind of landed in a role where you had a bit more vision is the maybe the wrong word because i don't want to you know give that impression but yeah, no, don't, please don't. I'm setting uh, it up here. I'm trying to like, kind of, you know, kind of put guardrails <laughs> around this career yeah. that you're building for yourself. So yeah, 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 yeah. No, but like it's like I, I, I'd be, it'll be, no, no. Honestly, like it's, it'll be a total, just a total lie for me to say that at some point, like, like even right now, like to this day, to be saying to you that there's, there was a, like the only thing that I ever decided that I really wanted to do was at one point to get into TV to do something in TV to right. see what the hell it was about and to see how it worked and like that was the only thing I ever like properly decided that I like the only tangible thing I could say that I ever properly decided that I like like determined my mind to do like outside yeah. of going for jobs and stuff like and like mm. but uh, but yeah no I was, I was in 104 gave uh, I was there for maybe five four or five years and then gave that up set up my own business which I did for a year okay. which uh Given that I'm not doing it now, we'll tell you how, how that went. Um, that was in, in in the media. But just even that, like, so that that that's a big thing, right? To to give up a, a full time. Mm. What was mm. what what um 
what How led you, you to that? <laughs> no, Jesus, hey, not what you're doing because yeah. I, I, you know, I talk to a lot of people, yeah. and one of the things I also kind of piss me off sometimes is that you talk to people or you hear about people that oh, I gave up my fucking day job and I'm, you know, I'm now mm. successful in this. But like, that's the probably oh, the one yeah. percent of people or two or five or whatever that that it actually yeah. works out for. So. You know, it's, I think it's important to totally. say sometimes it doesn't. Totally. But what what did you yeah. what did you see? What happened? And you were probably quick enough to say this isn't working. I need to, to change track. Uh, in terms of the trying to set up that business, but even realizing after a year of it, you said like I'm not going to keep flogging yeah. a dead horse. Maybe here you want to ch- ch- change track. Did you you know what did you learn from that? Yeah. Bits around that. Yeah, like I, I kind of reluctantly came to that conclusion. Like at the like the end of that story was kind of. Um, like I was dealing with radio stations, so I, was just, I had this idea where I where I could produce content, right? Mm. And I could go to, I could go to brands, and I could say, "Hey, I'm going to get your brand message. Like, what do you want to deliver to this audience? I can deliver that message to that audience if you pay me this, right?" Mm. And then I could go to the media brands, and I could say, because that was the space that particularly radio was in at that time, and it was really only coming out of kind of recently where they were happy enough to take um content for free like they didn't care if there was a commercial message with it like you know um sports bulletins for example in radio stations frequently you get um you get some sort of a sponsor around them like a sports company or a betting company or whatever mm-hmm. but they're not overly worried about what happens in between that and that was kind of the area that i was trying to drive into it was brilliant yeah 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 it was great it was it was kind of around the mid 2000s which was pretty bad timing now when i look back but it was brilliant. Like the whole thing was brilliant. It was trying to do something that I had a clue would work. Trying to do something with, a, you know, in an area that like like that commercial aspect that I had no mm. like my both my parents are kind of self employed and right. uh, were self employed and that was kind of probably like there's probably that exists definitely somewhere in the back of my mind all the time. Mm. Uh, and I'd say that was probably part of it. Um, and just trying to be trying to be ballsy enough and confident enough to walk into a room to like sell a concept yeah. to somebody who like wouldn't have had like it was a it was a new thing like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. like branded content now right branded content now is where the media is at right like that that is the industry now mm. uh and i'm not for one second trying to say that i was some sort of visionary for this but that was the idea i had that i could yeah 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 i made the bbc no so that was what i was trying to do and yeah like it worked it definitely worked to a to a point it definitely worked mm. like i was like in terms of tar- financial targets and stuff it was probably coming along as well as i had planned but it was a bad time like it was definitely a bad time right the, the first budgets that went when the crash hit were like marketing budgets and that sort of stuff so they like yeah. while i had i had had like some clients who were regular clients uh, Satanta Sport at the time were one of the big ones and a couple of others mm. and and like I was you know again feeding an industry who wants the content and who knows what that would become and what that would have become in 2017 but like maybe it was maybe it was running out of roads like in terms of where the where the economy was at in the country at the time mm. but the, as I said the end of the story was that I had been dealing with the late Johnny Lyons at 98 FM as part of that project right. at the time uh, um, delivering content into there and okay. In one of those conversations, he said, we've just lost, um, one of our members of staff has just left, um, and a, I need somebody to cover the Six Nations. And I'd been, that had been like a huge part of my brief at FM 104, covering live sport, the Dubs, Leinster, yeah. Ireland, football and rugby and stuff. So yeah, geez, I jumped at it here. I was I, like, who doesn't want to go and cover the Six Nations for a year? So cool. I uh, kind of did that. And then at the end of it, he still hadn't filled the, 
position that had been vacant, which was a morning sports bulletin. Hey, I'm the sports guy type mm. uh, role. Um, and he said, listen, you could you could easily come and do this and be done at one o'clock in the day and go ahead and still work in your business. And I yeah. thought, actually, that's not a bad idea because, you know, like a lot of the advice that um, business people would give you would be that you should keep an ongoing, some sort of an ongoing Absolutely. revenue stream yeah. while you try to get this thing going. Um, and I did that and with the best of intentions and then just found that like trying to kick into, like trying to kick wholeheartedly into yeah. the other thing at sort of two o'clock in the day, just yeah it was going to be a short road so just yeah pull the plug on it yeah even just jumping forward a little bit do you think you know now that you got into more of a corporate type role uh, and you're you're on the other side of the desk of interviewing people and that the willingness to to go out on your own and try something there has stood to you in in this new environment because you hear a lot of the time as well if somebody's going for a job and they see that they've worked in corporate then tried something set up their own company it failed but they're now trying to get back mm. in and i'm not saying fail is a bad word but you know the, the amount no, of lessons I, I you would it. learn from it the you know the whole you know success is 99 failure all of that good stuff do you yeah. think any of yeah. that has somehow found its way into your whole o- o- repertoire that that has helped you in in your current role or even you know in the last few years I'd say it has. Like no more than we were talking earlier on about the experience of Hull, which you wouldn't probably fully appreciate at the time. But mm. like, and again, the same thing. Like it probably you don't fully realise it. Like you're going to a meeting. Like I remember going to a meeting with a guy one day, who was in charge of like a network of news bulletins or whatever, mm. which was would have been a great opportunity for me because suddenly it would have meant that I wouldn't have had to just deal with individual stations it would have been like a whole bunch of stations in one go yeah. and I remember going in to meet him and sort of pitching the idea and him being really dismissive and yeah so stuff like that like definitely stands to you because it, like it puts you in a position where it's not as if you've got like a huge bank of experience of doing it but like mm. you know what to expect then when you're suddenly into those meetings in a different sort of different guise or like it's like a lot of it's probably about dealing with people as well like yeah and like souls exist in every industry so mm. like i probably am you're better equipped to deal with people like that having been through that and particularly when it's something so when it's your own business your own thing you tend to take that a bit more personally than you do like if you're working for a business or whatever so yeah like there's probably a huge learning in that and like that's only one small thing like there's probably yeah. there's a mil- million different aspects of that dealing with like i was dealing with um property groups like loads of other industries and people and mm. like that's that's a huge part of what i'm doing at the minute like you know when you're dealing with sponsorships of programs and um and events and all that sort of stuff you're dealing with people who operate outside of the media industry and yeah it does give you a good grounding like you say like it's i think people in in the u.s particularly tend to look at business failure as a real badge like you honor. put it on your cv as a b- absolute badge of honor exactly yeah, 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 yeah and i don't know that we tend to like like I, I'm not. I'm not mad about you know the sort of this Irish begrudgery comments that people tend to make as a bit of a throwaway. Like I don't. Mm. I'm not really down that track of things to be honest. But I also don't think we tend to look at um, failure, business failure as a like it's a bit of a it's a almost a kind of a shameful thing. 
Yeah. Which is not right. No, I wouldn't think so. And I think that the shame piece is definitely, hopefully, getting less and less. Good stuff. Like, so uh, I'm, I'm conscious of time. I, don't wanna, I do want to kind of get through your career a little bit and ask a few questions around the now. But I, I suppose winning the award at 98 FM, is that something that stands out as a as a big thing for you? Had, had it had it brought a lot of uh, kudos your way? I don't know. Like, um, I feel kind of funny about it, to be honest. Like, mm. uh, like I don't know what to say about it. Like, it, like it's, a, it's a lovely thing to have, yeah. for sure. Like no question, Jesus, class thing to have. Like, mm. but uh, the idea that I was the best sports broadcaster in the country that year is absolute bonkers. Like, uh, mm. considering some of the people that were, like, what I'm saying is, it, it's like there were better broadcasters in the country that sure. year, sports broadcasters for sure. Like, oh, McDevitt was yeah. and is knocking it out of the ballpark at that time. Jerry Gilroy, um, Ken Early. Like, there's probably a whole bunch of other people that I not. Yeah. Um, including in that at all um, but so yeah like I don't know like again kind of the more deeper you get into the industry the more you need to figure out about these things and you're kind right. of a bit more sceptical about them or cynical about it yeah, yeah, but yeah. at the same time uh, look at it's on my it's in on the um, cupboard in the hall here at home so sure like I'm obviously have some sort of uh, warm cabinet. feeling towards it. And, oh yeah, well, it's, yeah, trophy cabinet of one. <laughs> but, uh, but did you think no, it, no, no. it helped your career get to the next phase? Did no, it, no, no, it, it had no, no impact no, on no. that. Okay, I so don't think so. No, I don't think so. Like, then, is it? Ah, like, uh, yeah, like it was nice. It? it was very nice. And like, geez, my my parents, my mother was mad about it. Yeah, like, yeah, sure, yeah. like forgetting about anything else. That's that's like. That's jeez. Um, I was listening to somebody recently, and they were talking about um, um, how the importance of the stuff they were doing to for their parents. Jeez, I can't remember who it was. It was a podcast I was listening to recently. Uh, oh, it was it was Aidan O'Shea. It was it was a piece Aidan O'Shea did. No, it was Joe Canning. There we go. It was a piece Joe Canning did in the newspaper with Vincent Hogan in the Irish Independent maybe a couple of weeks back um, and the same p- uh, questions were coming up about like what do you like why do you get out of bed to do this thing mm. and like he was saying well I probably did it to impress to impress my father and I'm not right. saying that that's the case here at all but yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's definitely lovely to go for him hopefully he gets the All-Ireland medal this year and it'll be lovely for him to go and say to his dad listen thanks a million for everything yeah yeah like that's lovely yeah you know that's probably the most important part of that entire thing for me like my parents wouldn't they know absolutely nothing about this industry yeah. um and you know just like for them that yeah that was probably the most important but it, no okay. it didn't it'd be, it'd be wrong to say that there was some sort of um residual kick on like because i mean the natural path after something like that is to continue to sort of head headlong down the like the presentation route and that sort of front of house route um and i did and i still do to a degree and really enjoy it but the yeah the path has gone elsewhere so as you got into news talk and and off the ball you came in at a time when was it things in flux there <laughs> is that a simple way to put it <laughs> is that a, le- a leading question is it is that, i don't know i don't know how to ask it. some research does it uh... <laughs> I, I listen to the radio sometimes but uh yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah like yeah. was it yeah, it probably yeah. was a but a, a good time an opportunity time yeah yeah totally 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 yeah like i had um like Jared Gilroy um, uh, would have been one of the main sports people in various guises at News mm. Talk since the radio station was founded. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier on that I tried to get into TV, which I did with Satanta at the time. I was um, 
I was producing a, a show there called I Talk Sport, okay. which had a which burned burned brightly and uh, and for a short period of time, um, for for two years I was producing. Oh, uh, McDevitt was presenting that at the time, right. and there was a later iteration of that, which uh, a second show, which so that was like a it was initially I think a Friday night and then maybe a Sunday morning and then it was a midweek program of that and Jar was presenting that and I think that's how I would have got to know Jar initially. Right. Um, so I would have met him for coffee over the years and we would have kept up that and there was always the kind of underlying thing that look if something ever came up that flirting. we'd look at that and like ongoing yeah, flirting, flirting a bit of, yeah. bit of footsie a bit of footsie okay, exactly. right. so there's yeah, nothing yeah, wrong with that footsie. anyway so yeah absolutely but, uh, but like that was never like again I, that, I, I was like I knew that that sort of opportunity would hopefully like that hopefully existed in the background or hopefully would like sort of come my way at some mm. point but again I wouldn't want to say that I was like sort of sitting there every week, yeah, yeah, actively like Waiting. sort of vigorously seeking out this opportunity. That really wasn't the case. But yeah, like sure. the like what you're saying is that when the now second captains lads um, departed, yeah, there was there were opportunities, and like I would have I would have met your. like I think I would have met your that day actually, and um, yeah, there was like. It was it was a time of madness, obviously, because like mm. that was front page of the Irish Times news. Yeah. That like that next day, this, this was big stuff. Um, and so there was opportunity, yeah. And, like I didn't know what that opportunity would be. Like Jerry probably didn't know what the opportunity would be, and we sort of but said, look, we should go and like let's find what it is, and let's 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 go and do this thing. And like ninety eight FM and News Talk were in the same group as well. Yeah. So. That probably made it a little, bit, um, a little bit easier. And yeah, so I came in to produce the weekend show and sort of co-host and take up uh, whatever uh, Jerry was going to be the main presenter, obviously, and off the, bo- off the ball, Joe Malloy, who is on a run, I think, now at the minute of like three or four sports broadcasters of the row, uh, of the year yeah. in a row. Uh, was 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 also presenting off the ball, obviously, and then I was going to pick up a lot of the other sort of you know backfilling shifts that that cropped up, and that was kind of the brief at the time. But yeah, like sure it was mad, like it was, yeah, like the maddest time for the show. And I guess coming in at that stage, was there? Did you obviously you have to keep the show running, but probably start to kind of put a plan together of how you want to shape and model it over, you know, in the in the future was. Was that kind of the remit, or was it just trying to just keep everything moving along? Oh yeah, no, I think initially it was like, Jesus, let's keep this train on the tracks. Like it was, right. um, like it was a skeleton staff that was left, and it yeah. was like, who can do who can do what, and do let's plug holes. So yeah, was there any almost contingency though for that day to come? Was there like a, no? It 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 wasn't something that you would have like a plan B if if this sort of thing happened. No. Look, I don't think so. And like, right. I was on the other, I wasn't on the yeah, inside yeah. of the fence at that point. So I couldn't say for sure, but mm. like evidence would say no, like it okay. there wasn't like it was, I, I, look, I don't know. And I wouldn't like to speak about what sure. went on at the time because I wasn't there and I don't know. But like with anything, I don't think like you'd never expect that five lads would just say, listen, that's it. We're, yeah. we're out of here. I don't think, that, uh, I don't, and that, in that regard, I don't think there would have been, there would have been a contingency now. Yeah, and no, I don't want to go down that route either. I just, uh, it's just interesting to see because obviously from the outside you would see and you would be fascinated of how how things kept going. But Jesus, like <laughs> it, uh, it certainly didn't dint the uh, the success of the show, right? So 
it, it seemed to, mm. to almost reignite it or kickstart it into a different direction, do you think? has? Uh, do you think it's changed massively over the last few years and in, in how it's grown? Um, yeah, like it probably has. And I think like people expected it to fail, I suppose, didn't mm. they? Like it was yeah, like, like, how the hell can this thing possibly survive? Yeah. You would imagine that um, uh, that from from the outside, from not knowing anybody involved, it was almost a fascination in some ways. I said it were twice there, but it, to kind of see what's going to happen next, and it's kind of like mm. playing out on on front TV or, or through your ears, uh, mm. you know, on a night by night basis. But but oh, it seemed yeah. to be pretty seamless, though. After a couple of weeks, it was like, oh yeah, like you know, the quality is still there, and it's yeah. still still the great guests that are coming on, and the the, the presenters were there. So was, that's why I guess I probably asked that question. It seemed like because it was so seamless, it was as if there there was an expectation of that potentially at some point happening. But uh, but that's yeah. a testament to, to the team, I suppose. Your role as presenter, but were you getting involved yeah. in the production, and what did that? Yeah. How, how did it morph from there? Uh, like by the way, just on the previous point, like I, I think that people view that whole thing. It was like looking at EastEnders. That's what it was. It was like, like a soap opera in a bit of a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like people, and and like that's the key to why the thing survived and became as good, if not better, than it was. Like, and people people move on like like they look mm. at their rubber neck at it for a couple of weeks and ultimately they don't give a shit like it's absolutely you know what i mean like and uh and that would have been like that would have been fairly firmly in our thoughts too like that um yeah. like we anyway we had a job to do and um i had a job to do like i was yeah definitely on the production side kind of in the main like my brief was to come in to come in and um take charge of the weekend show at that point and it was pretty quickly after so at that point they were it was like um Saturday sport or Sunday sport or whatever it was, whatever the opposite of RTE is, mm. that's what they were called. Okay. Uh, and then, so we just we went, we made a decision pretty quickly. We'd go seven day, seven days off the ball, which yeah. is what we did. And um, like, yeah, it, it changed. Yeah, it changed. Like, sure, I think off the ball at the minute is different depending on what night you're listening to it. Like, sure. and so a change of presenter would have dictated that and as well. Like, Owen was the, and I've mentioned already, like brilliant. Um, but kind of main and only sort of presenter of the show. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whereas now, like, it's Jerry's on or Joe is on, and, like, they're two totally different presenters with their own way of doing things mm. and totally different styles, approaches, all of that. Uh, or, you know, and there's and there's a crew of other people there who will, who will backfill the show. And, like, so that dictates um, a change almost in itself. And I'd fight to the death for that stuff like i don't think yeah. people would frequently make the point that like well you kind of have to have some sort of an offering that's consistent in terms of everything from one night from one night to the next and like you don't like as long as you're like our approach is my approach is like the idea of learning a lot about a little mm-hmm. rather than a little about a lot and like yeah. we just apply that to everything we do and there's a thoroughness and there's like the production staff are the same and um but you got to give the presenters the freedom to be to be themselves um and so yeah like it has changed yeah it totally has changed because of that and because yeah for a whole bunch of different reasons because it's in, like a new team that come in and mm. there were like some uh, background staff that were sort of consistent from one to the other but minimal like um mick mccarthy who would have been working on the weekend show at that time he moved across to produce the uh, the weekday show so there would have been a little bit of consistency and carry over there um, but like the change of staff dictated that like hmm. it's a th- we like we have a three hour nightly radio show 
Um, and there are aspects of that that like the news run and stuff that will that'll kind of remain. But yeah, but like the changes are kind of probably dictated more as in any industry. I think if new people come in, like people are making cereal or whatever, new people come in and they yeah. do it they do it another way and that kind of thing. So yeah. um, actually, that's a really shit example now that I think about it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but I, yeah. I think from the outside again, looking at it, it's gone seven days a week. That the, the the weekend shows are what six hours long, uh, five hours five, long, five each, hours now, long yeah. each. And I suppose having... Ivan Yates, Ivan Yates stole uh, stole an hour off us on Sunday. So, yeah. Oh God, steal a steal a bag <laughs> of him. But I suppose now having the two presenters, a lot of interchanging of roles, and it it diversifies the risk and putting business speak on it here as well but i suppose mm, but it mm. also gives that variety because yeah. people are i think more interested in hearing different opinions and listening to different people on a on a regular basis maybe rather than just mm. the, the one five days a week so I, yeah I and like and it was it was it was probably like like it wasn't it wasn't that everybody sat down and said like these five lads are, we're making a business choice that these five lads are going to leave and mm. um, we're going to bring in this because we've got this other staff that we're going to bring in like so it wasn't that it was definitely a needs must yeah but like at the same time like you know jer particularly would have been the guy who he was responsible for putting rebuilding that thing yeah yeah um and yeah like was brilliant on air the night that the uh the lads left in terms of the message that he communicated about how great they were mm. um and how the show goes on and yeah. yeah it was really professional and and, and but like personable as well like sure. they were you know so yeah. but uh and brilliant brilliant at rebuilding the other side of things too in terms of the business aspect of it no definitely would you say it ha- it has been a turning point for you you just from listening to you and just i suppose from everything we talked about before you mm. seem to be going along the career and yeah everything was happening and you know as you said it wasn't a big plan but maybe now you became part of something that you could really have a, a say in would that be fair to say i hope yeah. you're building that up and you're not going to say no that'll, that'll really yeah really yeah up. no 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 you're, you're you're right no you're absolutely spot on and um i suppose you do realize at some point i've always been at pains to say that i like there isn't there hasn't been a grand plan like there isn't a grand plan mm. but like within that that isn't to say that i didn't sort of look at I was reading, had been reading sports bulletins and enjoying it and loving it and all that sort of stuff for 10 years on music radio stations. But like, if I wanted to be involved in sport, like that wasn't, I had to move away from there. Like that was, yeah. you know, a fairly natural thing. So like when the opportunity came up, you're clearly, you're clearly going to go for it. But, uh, but I, uh, yeah, definitely having a say in things and like wanting to shape things. And it's not, it's also not an easy thing to do when you're like off the ball is a beast. And like, mm. we're going through a process at the minute where it's going to become an even bigger beast. Um, um, within that, then it's it's really difficult to, like when you say to put to have your own say on it, right, or put your own stamp on it, like that becomes difficult because yeah. it's either a dictatorship which doesn't really work in that context, mm-hmm. or like your one voice of many senior voices, and um, yeah, so that can be difficult because there's particularly in a in a in a group like I'm in with three or four different radio stations, and like there are many departments within that all of whom want to have their rightly input in this brand successful brand for you though that sense of of belonging or or kind of a has it started giving you a focus of where you want to go within this obviously within your new role as well does Mm. that give you kind of a a plan of right i'm i'm in this now i'm not really I'm, i'm happy i can see there's a Mm. a path forward maybe setting out some the goals for the next year two three five ten years of where you want to grow that beast you, you talk about being a beast and uh, 
I actually interviewed mm. Andrew Mangan in one of the very first episodes, the the Ars blog, an Ars yeah. cast guy, and I remember him talking about feeding you know he created the beast and now he has to feed the beast which is kind of yeah. you know constant as well what's your thoughts on that whole kind of future state in, for you and like yeah. in terms of the business aspect of it or personally i guess a bit of both if yeah. you feel comfortable in both um yeah 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 like the on the personal side of it like so the job i'm in now is brand new and lots of aspects of it are um everything i've been doing in my previous role um which was just News Talk Central and now it's um, centred. Now it's Today FM and it's 98 FM and hopefully when we can get some sports programming and spin down the track, it'll include that too. Mm. Um, but yeah, so personally, like, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted where I'm at at the minute. Like, uh, like again, from everything I've said, like this is all sort of like if you told an 18-year-old me like this is what I was going to be doing, I would have laughed you out of town, you know. But yeah, um, yeah so I'm loving it and I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievably enthused by like the project we're embarking on at the minute. I've been working on for like nine months to a year and it's coming to fruition and uh, it's it's class, yeah. So I'm unbelievably enthused by it and it's, um, there's a load of risky elements to it. Like you're taking educated and um, mostly researched and informed um punts on things but it's but it's brilliant and like i said earlier on like it's not um we're not sampling new brain surgery like nobody's at risk here this is not a sort of a life or death situation i'm always acutely conscious of that mm. and so personally i'm i probably just made that move in the last uh, in the last month so haven't really sat down to be honest to think like what what exists what exists next year what exists the year after that Right. Um, um, really, to be honest, and um, yeah, like uh, I have had a kid in the last six months as well, and that definitely changes things massively. Like it's mm. um, total, total game changer. So like that exists in the background as well, and that yeah, that changes outlook again. Like I, I'm not going to get to say that I want to um, that I'm going to Australia for a year anytime soon. <laughs> well, New Zealand <laughs> and Australia out of your system, thankfully. Like so. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. Um, so, but like, yeah, so like yeah incredibly satisfied i suppose on a personal level where i'm at professionally at the minute for sure um and we'll probably start to look at that like there's not doesn't like where the where the business opportunity is at at the minute doesn't really almost afford the opportunity to kind of sit down and spend a great deal of time thinking about um like where the next move is personally but i'm sure that will i'm sure that'll crop up over the next while yeah no it sounds like you know it's been a really interesting journey i will uh Kind of wrap up with just a few kind of standard questions that I'd like to ask guests towards the end, if that's okay. If you're not, uh, yeah, you're not going to run off anytime soon. There. Um, how do you deal with the work-life balance challenge? What, what does that mean to you? <laughs> is that a, is is that a moment, one-part answer? The last <laughs> six months, I suppose, haven't helped that either. I suppose with the, oh, the newborn. Yeah, what, yeah not what totally, do you do to, kind of, to switch off though? Um, watch sport. <laughs> uh, genuinely, like, and that's yeah. like one thing that's actually probably a slight frustration for me in the last few years is my lack of time to be able to consume sport is gone mm. like absolutely out the window. Really, like the opportunity to read pieces and like look up some, you know, like like I talked about the sort of media machine that we have at the minute, like the the class analysis bits that you can get online now, like um, 
stuff like Murray Kinsella stuff in the 42, like incredible stuff been done. Like, and I don't have, I'd, I'd like to have more time to be consuming that stuff. Mm. Um, I do watch a good bit of sport, all right. Um, so yeah, I probably do do a bit of that. Definitely the kid is definitely taking up a lot of that time at the minute. I try to do like consume like non-sport stuff as much as I can as well, just as a kind of uh, trying to avoid having the busman's holiday. Yeah. Like working in the sporting world, though, do, do you do you look at it through a different lens as a result? You know, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, changes yeah, yeah, the yeah. view. You you obviously, yeah, have to, it must be yeah. difficult. Yeah, it's really difficult. That's yeah, that is really difficult. I I um, it's really difficult, and um, geez, that's a huge one. Yeah, um, like I find it difficult. Like I find it difficult. Like the World Championships have just been on. And I watched a lot of them mm. on BBC, yeah. and like I'm outraged by it. Like I'm outraged by the coverage. Oh. I'm outraged by the sport. Yeah. I'm outraged by people's capacity to look at something that isn't real and not call it out. Mm. Uh, and like, so athletics gets beaten on, and cycling gets beaten on, and we sort of um, blindly um, carry on with our consumption of rugby and of soccer and of all these other sports. Um, without having those conversations around them, and uh, like that's that's I find that tough. Yeah, I definitely find that tough. I find most of the sport I watch now I don't believe, um, and you do make like it's not you do make a bit of a piece with that, but right. uh, like there is um, like obviously I like you said earlier on about the, the opportunity to have your say or to yeah put your shape on things. Yeah, like so I I do have a great opportunity in that regard because like I'm part of a show that like does stuff like we did um we had a piece on in the last couple of days about the carl morn report into the ticketing scandal yeah. in rio 2016 and we had two journalists on last night who spoke very forthrightly about all of that stuff and like that's our opportunity and we won't come on and go hey listen <laughs> did you see more fire wow like this stuff is yeah. this stuff is incredible it's like like um mm. Like oh, unbelievable is the word that I use about a lot of the sport I see at the minute, like in the literal sense. And so, so that, yeah, okay, I find that tough. I definitely find that yeah. tough. But and does it like take, I do take some of the magic out of sport when you're kind of maybe more on the inside track or see it from that perspective? Probably, yeah, probably, probably has done. Like, but again, like covering sport, like I remember being at um, uh, the Grand Slam winning game in Cardiff in 2009 and. Mm. Uh, Stephen Jones misses that penalty, yeah. and you know your reaction has got to be that your your natural instinct is obviously that you're out of your skin and you're jumping around. And yeah. Like, but that that wasn't my reaction. Like, I was there on duty, and I would have had a report to file. And of course, you're. I'm sure there was like a sneaky punch of the fist or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you start like you. So what I'm saying is that you've already started to consume sport in a different way. So it's not sure. like a hammer blow one morning that you wake up and go, "Geez, this thing has changed for me." Um, like it's been that way for a long time and like there has to be room for those outlooks in that industry in that sports industry too for people to be able to like um, like the BBC thing was very frustrating in a lot of ways but like then they went and they covered the that Botswana athletes case uh, McQuala's case brilliantly like they covered it unbelievably well with like every time there was a break in the live athletics they went back and they had other guests in and they had people from Botswana the medical guy the CEO then they had someone from the IAAF in good informed opinion that brought the story on and was talking about stuff that was real right like rather than looking at the 100 meters and going 
wow, Jesus, that's what an incredible race. And like, I mean, there was a total circus around that, around that too. Yeah. Um, but calling it out for what it is, like, mm. and like, I think I would definitely view my role or position or whatever you want to call, uh, call it as um, an opportunity to try and influence some of those conversations. Yeah, definitely. So I guess even to that, on to the next question around value. So it sounds like, you know, core value for you would be probably authenticity or, or telling it yeah. as it is. Is there yeah. other ones that you, uh, and uh, these segues into these questions are working naturally. This doesn't normally happen. Um, but what other kind of things would be at your core to your values or maybe your kind of ethics almost and how you do your mm. job? Um, yeah, like I think the honesty of conversation is like, I don't know what you think, but like certainly I think the vast majority of media that I consume, I don't feel as if I'm listening or reading or watching to honest conversations. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, like, it does. Like, like, uh, just going back to the BBC stuff the other night, every night of that yeah. week, I was just listening to you know Michael Johnson and all those in the, the commentary yeah. box. Just it was like, and I'm not, I'm looking at it through the lens of just somebody interested in sport, but it was just like, is this, is this, are they talking about the same thing again? Is this really happening? Mm. And it was just didn't feel um, real almost. I guess. With your yeah. more hardened eye, you could see it ten times more magnified, I suppose. But I, yeah. You know, like I thought, um, I thought Johnson was brilliant actually, and he called out Steve Cram at one point. They had a proper old ding dong over and back. It was class. Um, mm. Like it's not not even not even a sports sense. Like definitely including a sports sense, but not just in that regard. Like does it? Like most mainstream media now is like I don't know. There's a lot of fakery. There's a lot of fakery, and it's like people aren't listening to the listening to the like particularly in a new context. Frequently, I find that people aren't. They're not listening. Like it's funny. We were we did um we did a an outside broadcast down in Skibbereen uh, three weeks ago. Yeah, I think with I, the I yeah with all it. of the with all of the roars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, like we went went out afterwards, and and like they're class. Like these guys and girls are class, mm. and we 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 don't make enough of them. Yeah. But anyway, having a conversation with them about some of that stuff, and there was a couple of broadcasters particularly that they were. And so from my point of view, it was great because like I get very consumed about this stuff, and as I said, I do appreciate that. Uh, like in the grand scheme of things, it's shouting down the well and it's a kind of a lot of nonsense, really. But um, it gave me great heart because they were saying, like, thanks for coming down here tonight and having a conversation with us. And particularly the two lads who don't normally, um, Mark and Shane, who don't normally, like it tends to be Gary and Paul who get all the yeah. limelight. Um, and like we had them up and Denise Walsh as well. And we did like full good pieces with them where we weren't treating them like, circus acts and mm. um like they were like they were grateful for that and they were talking about um they were talking about other interviews they had done where it tends to be like sings a song and diddly eye and Jesus. all this sort of stuff you know yeah, what i mean yeah, um and i think that's pervasive in irish media uh, like no not even just irish media in most media you know like it's mm. uh, and like that's where i think that's where i think that's our secret sauce i think that's we will have like if like I fairly crudely kind of have an analogy about like most um, like so with most radio shows somebody walks into the somebody barges into the studio right and they stand up in the broadcast desk and they start taking a leak right most shows will pride themselves on the fact that they have continued their link or their interview or whatever it is without mentioning that this happened right. whereas like off the ball will stop everything they're doing and they'll go alright you're not going to believe what just happened this <laughs> 
dude has just walked into the uh, room and he's standing at the desk. And so that's that's yeah. what, that's my view on on what we do and like listening listening to what people are saying and when people give the signpost of something interesting like following that route down like not taking the next we've got here's the next question no matter what you've just said it doesn't matter mm. we've got to get to the, this next question like listening to what people have said like did i know on our saturday panel that we do i haven't produced it for a few years we like we put all this work right into uh and i know i've presented it as well we put all this work into the research we ring the guests we're like here's i'm going to talk to these three men talking points you know we go and have a read that yeah. we do a bit of research and like i remember doing a panel one day with Anthony Moyles and a couple of others and we had three topics picked out and I remember coming in and sitting down the mic going up and me saying to Anthony Moyles how are things and him saying something and I like 45 minutes later it wrapped up and we hadn't touched on one Brilliant. of the talking points and like that's success for me yeah um, and as I said I don't like I there's loads of high profile shows and broadcasters and journalists I don't know look they don't do that yeah. and like a lot of very successful people and all this sort of stuff and I don't want to be like look people have their own thing and they get on with no. it but like from my point of view that's but, but I think, I think but, that's really important I guess maybe some other radio stations are not again I don't know this but they're, they're set they're very strict they have to follow A to B to C but to your example there with uh, Anthony Miles where you just had a conversation for 45 minutes for me that's what podcasting is very much about is like having a, mm. a like this is a long form interview and we're having a conversation and it, you know people seem to i find that's what i'm drawn towards listening to much more than you know a 15 minute bang 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 these are the facts and good luck and thanks you don't get any insight into the person or what really motivates or drives them but so maybe that's where things yeah. are, are going and to be able to balance or to 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 put that out through radio and you obviously mm. do the podcast as well. Certainly seems like uh, good. Yeah, you have my vote anyway. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so core values around that. But you know, what what else kind of would you say hard work is in there? Would you say there's other ones that you kind of uh, are say core to your belief set? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Like ah, look, hard work for sure. Like don't think, like actually, I, I, <laughs> it does. Uh, it does seem like most things I'm saying sort of followed by another thing that pisses me off. But um, while while I'm on that general train, keep going. Um, like the sports. I don't, I don't have to get like, through any set of questions here, so it's okay. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep taking as we go here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the it particularly crops up in sport, but it is in sort of all walks of life. Like you hear the people go. Yeah, geez, man, like I work so hard. Like I work so hard for this thing that, it, like, in terms of the success aspect of it, right? Mm. Like I work so hard for this, I deserve this thing. You don't deserve it. Like, what do you deserve? What does hard work, like, hard work does not equal success or does not yeah. equal like you don't deserve anything. There's no given right that you deserve something. Yeah, just from hard work. Mm. Uh, that one really pisses me off. And I, like again. Like Mo Farah was talking about it the other day, he was like asked about the doping thing, and he was like, "Oh, you don't see the hard work I'm putting into this thing. That doesn't mean shit. Like that doesn't mean that you deserve to win these medals yeah. or that you like get to avoid questions about some grey areas of sure. activity or anything like that." Um, but and it, it isn't unique to sport. It crops up, and you hear it in um, in interviews in like with business people like all the time, like the, you said earlier on about, you know, I um, gave up my job to do this thing and I worked so hard, like, and, you know, and that was the natural path that followed. But like, it, it frequently isn't. Like people yeah. do tough jobs, like actual real jobs, mm. like um, 
real tough jobs and they work hard as hell at them frequently for not very much yeah um and like they don't get to turn around at the end of the day and go well i worked my ass off today and like you know here's this world championship medal or whatever and i really deserve that thing like that's just mm. bullshit for me but yeah but i haven't said all that right like obviously hard work is and i probably have that ethic from from like yeah as i said from like my parents were both self-employed and yeah um like when you're a kid it's muck in or muck out so um yeah that's probably where that comes from would you say there's a lot of luck involved in being you know finding the right path yeah is there any anything that jumps out for you along the way that might have been a, a lucky break <laughs> as opposed to a, a you know a big break that you worked hard for um like i think it's all luck almost like mm. to be honest like that i don't know that that sounds really flippant or something but like i think it's all luck really i think everything is luck right. like us two chatting on the phone at this minute at this stage in our lives you know what i mean like that's yeah, yeah. a bunch of stuff has had to happen most of it just coincidence that that mm. this occurs right like and, and, and having, having a, like, f- I mean, a fondness for alcohol probably that that links us to miles <laughs> tynan so that that uh that's well, probably I, more than luck <laughs> it, 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 it the more times we can we can mention miles tynan in any uh in any broadcast yeah, it definitely sure. works for me but like the, the, the yeah look there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff like and including as i said earlier on when i was sitting in that interview and like 99 percent of me was gone yeah. stand up and just say you're out uh mm. but but not doing that like that wasn't that wasn't designed like that way if i as i said i really should have done that but um so like i think there's yeah i do think there's a load of luck there's circumstance but like having said that there is an element of it that like i would like to think that at times you demonstrate to people that you have capacity to do something like i wouldn't want to say that that isn't the case like that i blundered my way through a career like at all um like you've got to whatever industry you're in you've got to show competency capability trustworthiness like there's a whole bunch of factors like that hard work aspect like you know i wouldn't for whatever you whatever position i have like i wouldn't have got any of those positions without hard work like that just wouldn't happen like you know so yeah cool just a couple of last ones so and i know we touched on it earlier on so just bring it back success is something i like to ask you know people what their view or what what is success to them what what would you what would you say or what what is evoked when you think of what success is for 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 you adrian Jeez, that is a that, <laughs> Deep that's one. a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, success for me isn't like it's clear. Hopefully, from what I've said so far, like it isn't. There's a huge aspect of the award or like those sort yeah. of things. Like there's like that, I, that's definitely not success for me. Like what? Like that's three people sitting in a room and deciding right, we're going to choose this guy. That's definitely it. Like I probably a sustained career um, in something that I really love. Like I, that probably hasn't come across. <laughs> maybe maybe at times like, but no, that definitely exists. Like a huge passion for what I do a passion for the industry a passion for sport like and having a sustained career in something that I'm very passionate about is professionally yeah hugely I like that's that's probably the start and finish of it for me really like like I think I don't know yeah people look at success differently like it's absolutely it's like monetary for some people Mm. and like it's never really been that for me like I always found myself in a job going holy shit I can't believe I'm doing this thing this is great this is class Uh, and I want to continue to do that for the rest of my life like and whether that's in the industry I'm in at the minute or another challenge or something else that crops up because I'm really open-minded about that like like I'm 40 now so you would normally at 40 you're like right you found your groove right like you're in that groove now and you're not moving off that groove Mm. uh 
until you uh, until you're jumping out of it. And I don't know about that. Like I definitely don't know about that. Yeah. No. I, I, I'm 40 in November and I certainly don't know about that uh, as in the groove piece like the more people I talk to around this age the less they seem to be yeah. in the place they want to be or, or you know I don't know if that's yeah. just there's obviously a mix but um, there's a yeah. I talk to a lot of people in their 50s and they'd say what age are you and it was like oh you're 40 oh yeah look it, it happened everybody kind of <laughs> has those sort of questions around that time frame or you know but I suppose mm. you never can mm. stop questioning it no but you've also taken action now by like you're following something that you're very passionate about like yeah. and like that's there's uh, you know uh, uh, the same question back to you like that's I would say that is a pretty significant dollop of success. I don't. Uh, I certainly don't think money equals success, and and I don't think any one person has answered that question saying money yet. Probably because some of them probably mm. do, but they just hate hate to, to think that they don't want to say it, yeah. sounds like God oh, or just want that for <laughs> money. But um, well, no. Yeah. For, for this success is me talking to you and being able to chat to people that have really good careers and from different industries and different areas and actually this happening is is mm. success like so yeah but uh i'm just enjoying doing and having these conversations and, and that's that's more than even i had hoped for like so so yeah i think it's it's the beauty of that question i think is that it's so broad and it can be looked at and i what mm. fascinates me is different people's views of it and and how they mm. how they kind of come come with an answer last two two more one one is around and it's again a bit cheesy but i always do like asking it around advice is there ever one standout piece of advice that you've been given that stuck with you or or one that you kind of like to potentially give to others that are you know faced with a challenge or something that they're um grappling with like there's loads of stuff loads of people like that you would you pick stuff up from along the way yeah um like i didn't really ever have that sort of moment of kind of sitting in a in an editor's office where the eureka kind of thing sort mm. of the pole of lightning kind of struck but like probably a sequence of people i would say primarily yeah. who have like influence on you and, st- and like frequently i have definitely found over my career like you learn as much from the people who had negative influence on you as you do Absolutely. from the people who are trying to guide you along a, a career path and um um but yeah like i think it's i think it's a lot to do with like in terms of trying to achieve whatever success is to you is about um about being yourself like that's probably the like again like in terms of advice that i would have given myself like it would be uh, like 18 year old self would be to do like to just be yourself like stop trying to don't try to be somebody else or something because i think people frequently spend their lives chasing that Mm. um like that probably sounds quite uh, corny or whatever, but um, yeah, just like um, you know, like I, I definitely would have had a, a a moment of realization from a friend of mine about um, sort of you know the idea the the notion of taking responsibility for your own actions, for example, right, which applies right across the board in terms of your personal and, and professional life. That's probably the biggest hinge in my life. You kind of went, all oh, right, actually. There's something in there that kind of resonates for me. Like, and I know people far older than me who, who like that hasn't that that hasn't happened. And it'll never happen. And yeah. uh, so that's like that's a big one. Sort of yeah. understanding that like you whatever actions you take have um, consequences, whatever, which applies across the board. You know, I like that. That's a that's a good one. If you were to recommend a book, and this has been a podcast or even a podcast that uh, you'd you'd like to listen to that you've kind of get something out of any anyone jump out mm. in particular 
the one percent better podcast is when i'm oh, reaching for yeah, a podcast is uh, always where i go there around go. <laughs> i can cut that out don't worry uh, yeah yeah no 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 I, I have listened to a good few of them and i and i really enjoying them so uh keep it up it's great yeah like stuff that i'd listen to even on a podcast perspective and this kind of ties just to influencers yeah. like who do you kind of admire in the industry that you say that person nails it they're brilliant at what they do I, I, you learn something from from them anyone yeah just like well they're, <laughs> i'd probably name check some of my colleagues so i won't i won't do that but um like i love the i love the irishman abroad podcast mm-hmm. um like I think that that's um, yeah. Like there's good, honest conversations, and like that point about learning a lot about a little definitely like applies to that. And I think Jarlett like nails that. I think he's um, I think he's really super at it. Uh, I've only like I I I don't listen to a huge amount of like podcasts. I know a lot of the lads I work with will be like U.S. sports fanatics, and they listen yeah. to like Mike and Mike and all these things. Like they eat that stuff up, and I never really have been into the u.s sport thing really the 30 for 30 um, one i've recently listened to have you, have you yeah listened to yeah yeah that's yeah yeah good. yeah yeah i started listening to them in the last that's couple stories. of weeks jesus yeah really yeah. good yeah really good. good that that's jesus they're 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 um they're doing great stuff like and they're obviously turning some of their uh, tv stuff into yeah. radio podcasts and then making like radio podcast only things as well and, yeah no jesus has been some i listened to the um the dan and dave Oh no, sorry. I haven't. No, I haven't. Oh yeah, the the boxer. Yeah, oh, Dan and um, the two guys did the athletes. Yeah, that was yeah. brilliant. Never heard like, of them before. No, yeah. neither did I. But I, yeah. I remember I listened to about three three of them over a course of a weekend, and the one that stuck out was definitely that. And the, the boxer, the guy that was in prison, the boxer, yeah. And he, he started. Yeah, I can't like, think of his name. James. Oh, it was amazing. Like, yeah, he won. Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It was class. Yeah. And like, you kind of wonder all along why haven't we heard from this guy and then suddenly at the end you realize but um yeah no yeah like that'd be like like there's loads of books but club by christy o'connor would be one that i think i think is like if you could bottle it is the essence of of ga like which is a sport that is one of the few that i look at and i believe what i see like mostly mm. right. um and yeah like if you could bottle it i think it's, christy is an exceptional writer and it's an exceptional book and it's very giving and it's a book that is like not just for sports nuts and like it's accessible really for everybody cool brilliant adrian look we've done an hour and a half uh 90 minutes a full full match without a half time interval at all so uh, <laughs> brilliant thanks so much for your time man no it's been class and it's been uh like i, I feel as if i've got a yeah, I've got I've got my issues off my chest now, you know. Yeah, it's a little bit of a counselling session in some ways, but uh, some people I've chatted to after feel, you know, certain things crop up for them that they didn't even think about before, mm. and uh, if if that happens, if it made you even that one percent better, ching there, happy days, I'd be delighted. It but, did. Uh, but for me, it definitely did. It was last brilliant. Thanks so much for your time, Adrian. I shall let you get back to your uh, six-month-old, uh, presumably there's a, in a sleeping state at the moment, hopefully. But um, Hasn't been any tears anywhere up, so that's a good sign. That is a good sign. And best of luck in the new role, and uh, looking forward to hearing where uh, where the new project goes over the, the next m- months and years, Adrian. Thanks again. Cheers, Rob. Take it easy. Hey folks, you got to the end of another show. Thank you for persisting. I hope you enjoyed it as much as the others. 
So I'm just going to put a quick shout out for feedback. You can get in touch with me through the site. You can get in touch through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on the robofthegreen.ie site and you can take it from there. Also, I'd love if you listen to on iTunes, leave a comment, give us a score out of five on the stars that are so much commonplace these days. I would really appreciate that if you did it. Whether it's good or bad, I can certainly take that. We'll, we'll make some improvements as we go. And yeah, I, I'll keep it short. I hope you enjoyed and I look forward to having you back for some more 1% Better podcasts in the future. Thank you and good luck.